We've been in a sermon series for the last three weeks uh, with the title, Jesus Changes Everything. And uh, Pastor Denville's been sharing some great messages about knowing Jesus and about growing in Jesus. And here now on the birthday of the church, Pentecost, we're going to talk about going and serving Jesus in the world. You know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor started out the sermon series uh, with a message from Philippians in chapter 3 and verses 7 to 11 about knowing Jesus. And it reminded us that it's very difficult for us to be friends with anybody we really don't know. We can have acquaintances, we can uh, maybe know a little bit about somebody, but you really can't be friends with somebody that you don't know. So he reminded us that it is very important for us to know who Jesus is, to have a a meeting with Jesus, to come to know who he is face-to-face, person-to-person. And he told us that a meeting with Jesus makes our lives different. It shapes us. It transforms us. It changes everything. He reminded us of a story uh, from the New Testament about a man named Zacchaeus. And uh, I remember as a small child in church that I learned a song about Zacchaeus. I don't know if any of you ever learned the song. Yeah, some of you, some of you are raising your hands. I, I had a laugh in the last service. Somebody was actually doing the motions over here. So uh, it's, it, was a, it was a great song to teach that message about what happened in Zacchaeus' life. And, and for those of you who maybe don't remember, Zacchaeus uh, was a man in the New Testament. And he'd heard about Jesus. He'd heard about all the miracles that Jesus had done. He heard about the, the, the changing of the water into wine. He heard about people being healed of various diseases and demons uh, being cast out. And he'd heard miraculous, amazing stories about Jesus. And like a lot of us, he got curious. He said, I got to see this guy. He said, I, I just, I got to see him. So the scriptures tell us that he found out Jesus was coming to town one day. So he climbed up in a tree. because he was kind of short of stature. uh, And he figured that was the only way he'd be able to see over the crowd. And he was going to see Jesus that day. And the Bible tells us that Jesus saw him and said, Zacchaeus, I see you. Come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. And it says that Zacchaeus brought Jesus into his home and he sat down with Jesus and they began to have a conversation and spend some time together. And they just, uh, over that time, as... um, Zacchaeus came to know uh, Jesus, uh, his heart, his mind, his life, everything was changed. Um, Zacchaeus started life, or started uh, in the, the scriptures, as a lying, cheating tax collector. And by the time that he had had a meeting with Jesus and came to know Jesus, at the end of that time, he had changed to a loving, generous, kind man because he had met with Jesus. Pastor reminded us that John Wesley had a similar kind of a, uh, an experience. John Wesley was uh, born in the church, raised in the church, became an Anglican priest, traveled on a missionary journey, pastored in the church, and yet there was still something that he was missing. And it says that he went one night to a small place called Aldersgate, and there, as he heard uh, the preface uh, to Romans read, his heart was strangely warmed, and he met Jesus in a brand new way. He not only now knew about Jesus, but he knew Jesus. 
And his, his life was changed. And your life and my life was changed because of that. Because uh, John Wesley went on then to be uh, one of the founders of, of the Methodist movement. And uh, I'm a part of that and you're a part of that. And So knowing Jesus changed John Wesley's life. When we really, really know somebody, when we really know Jesus, it changes us. It transforms us. And then once we've begun to be friends with Jesus, then we're encouraged to spend more and more time in him and grow our relationship with him. The second week, a pastor shared from Romans chapter 12, 1 through 8. Uh, and he reminded us that in the world in which you and I live, the default setting on the world is decay. I don't know if you've noticed that. I know when I was in school, they taught it to me, and I believe, and nobody's corrected me yet, it was the law of entropy, that all things tend to wind down. Nothing in our world, nothing in our universe winds up. Nothing becomes better without further input. And the same is true of our relationships. Um, You know, you have to use it or lose it. If you don't spend time investing in a relationship, whether it is your relationship with Jesus or your relationship with your friends or with your spouse, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Kind of like algebra, the pastor reminded us. We may have learned it at one time, but when we don't use it, we kind of forget. He also used a word that I haven't heard in a long time, but it's one that I used to hear frequently, and it was called backsliding. And uh, yeah, some of you have heard that word before. And basically what it boils down to, it says, is that's letting our relationship, our friendship with Jesus decay. And that simply happens because we no longer value that relationship. We don't spend time with Jesus. We just don't. And so, like everything, our relationship, our friendship with Jesus begins to decay And it's important for us to be in a relationship with Christ because our relationship with Jesus transforms us into something new. Pastor called it something like, like, kind of like the ugly, slimy caterpillar, I believe is is the phrase he used, and how that is transformed through a process into a beautiful butterfly. We love having butterflies around. You know, watch them flit from from bush to bush. Some of us even plant butterfly bushes in our yards because we love butterflies, but not many of us like caterpillars. They're hard to love. But because they are changed, they become beautiful things. We become like the people we spend time. When we spend time with Jesus, we become like him. We're transformed. And so just kind of echo what pastor said last week are you spending time with and becoming more like jesus and that's where we find ourselves this week it is pentecost it is the birthday of the church you may have noticed there are several new colors around the church this week the the red symbolizes the coming of the holy spirit in power and fire and uh it's the birthday of the church it's been called is a celebration uh of uh the coming of the holy spirit into the church in our lives Um, I'm going to read this morning from Acts chapter 2 and reading verses 1 through 11. For those of you that read along, this is from the contemporary English version. It is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place. 
And suddenly there was a noise from heaven like the sound of a mighty wind. It filled the house where they were meeting. And then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions. And a tongue came and settled on each person there. The Holy Spirit took control of everyone. And they began speaking whatever languages the Spirit let them speak. Many religious Jews from every country in the world were living in Jerusalem. And when they heard this noise, a crowd gathered. But they were surprised because they were hearing everything in their own languages. They were excited and amazed and said, Don't all these who are speaking come from Galilee? Then why do we hear them speaking our very own languages? Some of us are from Parthia, Media, and Elam. Others are from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, Rome, Crete, and Arabia. Some of us were born Jews, and others of us have chosen to be Jews. Yet we all hear them using our own languages to tell the wonderful things that God has done. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I read through that, and, and every time I read scripture, there's always something new that pops out at me. And I, I'm reading this, and in verse 4, it says, The Holy Spirit took control of everyone. Wow. Wouldn't that be great if God would take control of every one of us and change us and transform us into the image of his son? There's a lot in there. Uh, I want to just spend just a minute or two there on that first verse. I want you to understand that the people that were gathered there that day on that, uh, that very first Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost was a celebration among the, the Jewish people uh, of uh, a mighty event that occurred uh, in their history. And they gathered every year in Jerusalem. All the people came together to celebrate this event. So people from all over the world, as it says here, were gathered together. And among them were the Lord's followers. And uh, <clears throat> among those followers that day were some people who had known about Jesus. Um, he had called them uh, to follow him. Uh, but before they did, they kind of had heard some of the stories, you know, well, we heard about this Jesus. Did you hear about this guy? He went down in the river uh, with the, uh, with uh, John the baptizer. And when he came up out of the water, this thing like a dove came down on him. And there was a voice from heaven and they'd heard the story. And uh, maybe they'd heard the story about the water into wine. And they'd heard all the stories about Jesus, but they didn't know him yet until the day Jesus come by and said, come and follow me. And then they began a friendship with Jesus and began to know him and understand who he was and it changed their lives they they laid down their their uh, ambitions they laid down their professions they put everything aside and began to follow jesus and these were the same people who were gathered there in the upper room they were people who had grown to be like jesus over the three years that they'd been with him they began to understand his heart they began to understand his thought process they began to understand what was important to him and they had taken on these characteristics they had gotten to be more and more like him over the three years they were together and now they were still following his instructions on that day of Pentecost. It says all the Lord's followers were together in one place. His instructions to them before he left was, he says, when I go, he says, I want you to remain in Jerusalem until you are, and to use the old word, imbued with power. He said, until you receive the power, until this event happens, I want you to just stay here in Jerusalem and wait for what is coming. 
So there they were on the day of Pentecost. They were all together. Some versions tell us that they were praying, but it says they were all together and they were waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And when it was, wow. I, I, I can't imagine what, well, I can almost imagine what they may have seen that day. I've never seen tongues of fire come from the sky and set on top of people. Never seen it. May not ever see it in my lifetime. But how amazing that must have been. And then to hear the, the miraculous languages that came that day. What, how, man, that had to be something. And this is what Jesus had promised them. And it, the scriptures tell us here, it says, they were all together and suddenly this noise from heaven like the sound of a wind and it filled the house and the tongue sat upon them. And it says the Holy Spirit took control of everyone. This is what they were waiting for. They were waiting for Jesus' promise to come true. To have complete control of them. How many days after Jesus died did this happen? Um, if I remember correctly, from, the, from Pentecost, or from Easter to Pentecost is 70 days? 40 days. 40 days. Don't remember. That's okay. It's all right. Um, <clears throat> and it says that immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit took control of them. And they began to speak in all these different languages. And it says that a crowd gathered. Now, I'm not real sure what happened. I don't know whether uh, they were making so much noise in the house that a bunch of people ran uh, and stood outside the house to listen to them. But I think by reading this and by uh, judging by the number of languages that were heard, that these believers, these followers of Christ, these friends of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit took control of them, they immediately left the place where they were and began to go out among the city and began to proclaim the name of Jesus. And apparently they weren't quiet about it because it says there was a noise. And so a crowd gathered, and people were amazed at what was happening. They said, look, we're, we're hearing the voice of Jesus. We're hearing these, this good news in our own language. And there was, a, what, dozen or more languages there? Every person there heard the, the, the message in their own language. And so the people were immediately, once the Holy Spirit took control of them, they were compelled to go out and begin to serve him in the world, to begin to tell people about what he had done, to begin to tell them the good news. They just couldn't keep it to themselves. They became bold evangelists. And I think that's the real uh, miracle of Pentecost. I know there have been a lot of people who have focused on uh, the miracle of the tongues and, and how the Holy Spirit gave these people the ability to speak all kinds of tongues, uh, various languages. Uh, some people have said, well, the, the miracle was that all of these various people were able to hear it. It wasn't uh, that the, the disciples were speaking in various languages, but the people could hear in various languages. I, I think, for me, as I read this, the real miracle of Pentecost was that these frightened, unsure, uneducated people became bold evangelists of the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that's the real miracle. The Holy Spirit took control of them and they were sent out into the world to begin to proclaim the name of Jesus and serve him in the world in which they lived.
That's my prayer for each of you, that the Holy Spirit will take control of you on this Pentecost day and send you out into the world to serve him. You know, there have been a lot of uh, examples of, of some of this, uh, how it's happened through the years. It didn't just happen at Pentecost. It's happened down through the years. Um, because I'm new to the, to the Methodist church, I, I read a little bit of Methodist history this week. And I read about a guy named Philip Otterbein who was raised in the church and became a pastor in the church and preached to his church on grace. But when a man came to him one day and asked how to find God's grace, I imagine he hung his head and he said, you know, friend, I really have no advice for you today. Because the pastor never really knew Jesus. He knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus. And it began to, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. And he began to pray until he found an assurance of God's grace. And it changed his ministry. And he went on to become one of the founders of what became the Methodist Church later. The same thing happened for Martin Baim. He was a, appointed a preacher, I believe, by the Mennonites. Uh, but he realized his own spiritual poverty. And one day while he was plowing, he stopped his team, knelt down in the dirt and prayed, Jesus, save me, I am lost. And he heard Jesus reply, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Oh, that's good news. And it says he jumped up and he was filled with joy and he began to tell others about Jesus that he had met and the Jesus that he knew. And he began with his wife and began to tell others, and he became one of the founders of what became part of the Methodist Church. The same happened for Jacob Albright. He was a successful man, a businessman, had all the things that one would think would bring you happiness and joy, and yet something in his life was missing. He attended a prayer meeting in a neighbor's home, and I believe it was a Methodist prayer meeting. And uh, during that prayer meeting, He was led to confess his spiritual unworthiness and he experienced a spiritual rebirth. And this is what he said. All fear and anxiety of heart disappeared. Joy and blessed peace in breathed my breast. God gave witness to my spirit that I had become a child of God. And this prompted in him a concern for the spiritual welfare of his friends and neighbors. And he began to witness and he began to share and tell people about the Jesus that he met, the Jesus who was his friend, Jesus who compelled him to go out and serve him in the world. And not just happened long ago. I met a guy this week. Uh, He came to the church to do a little bit of work. And uh, he did his work. And then afterwards, we were talking a little bit. He had mentioned that he goes to church. uh, And he happens to attend a church down in Naples. And he was telling me uh, what God had done in his life. Not long ago, I think, it's, I think he said it had been two or three years ago, but not really long ago, uh, he had received a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. And you know that that's very serious. And he said that he began to pray, and he enlisted others to pray, and he got his church to pray, and other churches to pray. And he said not long after that, he went back to the doctor, and uh, the doctor could find no signs of the cancer. Now, I understand I've lived long enough to know that God doesn't do that for everybody. It may not be God's will for all people to be healed. But in this particular case, this man was healed. And I tell you, he is an evangelist now because of what God has done in his life. People who meet Jesus, who encounter him, who come to know him, and then are filled with his Holy Spirit, become bold evangelists. That's what this guy is. God is still changing people. 
He's still doing it today. He did it for for these guys who lived a long time ago, uh, back in the first Pentecost. He did it uh, for the founders of the church in my life, in my early 20s. My life changed. Um, Now, if you don't know me, uh, I'll give you a little insight into my background. I was born and raised in the church. I tell people I've been going to church since I was this big. And uh, that's literally true. And uh, so I was born, raised in the church, met my wife in the church, um, you know, been around the church all my life. And uh, in the late teens and 20s, you know, I began to experiment with some other kinds of things. And uh, one day God said, you know, hey, let's take a close look at your life. And I said, you know, Lord, you're right. I see where I'm headed. I understand what could happen. I understand what awaits me if I don't wake up. And so I knelt at uh, an altar, is what we called it in my church, a place of prayer, a prayer rail, whatever you call it. But I knelt there and I met Jesus and began a relationship with him that is still growing today. And it changed my life. Um, put me on a whole different trajectory. And it sent me to places that I never knew I would go, never thought I would go, never dreamed I would go, but here I am. And so the Lord has been good. And it's been my experience that meeting Jesus, really meeting Jesus and knowing him and growing in my relationship with him has changed my life. And being filled with Christ, being filled with his Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world. It changes everything. So I have a challenge for you today. If you haven't already met Jesus, I want you to get to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus. It's good to know the Sunday school songs and the Bible stories, but I want you to meet the living Christ. Because as we said today, Jesus has died, Jesus is risen, and Jesus is coming again. Get to know Jesus. Spend time with him. Meet him face to face. Be like Zacchaeus. Say, Lord, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want my life to be changed. And then once you've met Jesus and begun your relationship with him, then invest the time to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Spend the time in the scriptures reading about Jesus. Spend your time in prayer talking to Jesus. Spend your time seeking to be filled with Jesus so that you become a different person so that you become changed. Let Jesus change everything in your lives. And when that happens, I know that you will be sent by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit takes control, like he did on that first Pentecost Sunday so long ago, you will be sent to serve Jesus and others. For the disciples, that meant they went out into the city of Jerusalem and began to loudly proclaim that day, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. For some of the other people that I've mentioned this morning, for uh, Philip Otterbein and um, Martin Baim and, and Jacob Albright, they were compelled to begin to serve their neighbors, to look after the spiritual welfare of their neighbors. You will be sent to serve in the world. And you're all going, I know, I'm too old for that. You're not. I don't have time for that. We'll help you find time. When the Spirit of Christ comes in his fullness and takes control, you won't be able to help yourself. You will have 
to serve Jesus in this world. It just comes out. I can tell you that. I, you're saying, well, I, you know, I just don't know where. You know, I, I can't be a missionary to... No, you, you don't have to be. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to make it easy on you this morning. I'm going to give you a couple suggestions of places that you can serve beginning this month. Are you ready? Yeah. One of them is VBS. That is coming up very soon. Starts a week from Monday. It's just three hours, five days a week. Okay? Not a big time commitment. And all you got to do is come and hang out with kids. As a friend of mine says, you got to come and love on kids. And that's all you got to do. Not hard, right? You can do that. That is a place to begin to serve. And you will be amazed how God will use that time to change you and change your heart as you grow in your relationship with Christ. Another one is a a guy I met this week. Uh, His name is Steve Potter. He works for the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church, and he does disaster relief. Uh, He's the gentleman who is using your trailer uh, for a disaster response, and he has a project going in Placida uh, where he is renovating some of the trailers that were damaged by the tornadoes um, earlier in the year. And uh, he's invited you uh, to be a part of that, to serve Christ by serving others in need. Uh, if you're interested in that opportunity, jump on the church website, uh, send us an email, drop a note in my pocket, um, just let me know, and we can hook you up with Steve. He said it probably will be a, just a, a little while yet till they're ready to go, but he'll provide you all the training tools and materials that you need to be involved in serving Christ in your world. And I want to challenge you today to have your own personal Pentecost experience. Invite the Spirit in and then serve Jesus in his power. You know, you never know what you can accomplish in the kingdom of God until you let your relationship deepen to the point where he dwells within you through his Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. Thank you for being who you are. Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the opportunity to receive salvation through your son. We're grateful for the opportunity to receive power from your spirit. And Father, I pray that each of us will invite Christ and invite this Holy Spirit into our lives and change us and mold us and make us into the people that you have created us to be and that we will go from this place with the good news of Jesus on our lips and the love of Christ in our hearts ready to serve wherever you send us. Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.